The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. I did have a few people that I asked, said, hey, would you go digital or or print? And 99% of them said, go digital. No one buys print anymore. I'm like, okay, so I'll go print. (laughs) Whenever I buy a magazine or book or get handed a brochure, I always crack it open and take a secret sniff. There's something about the smell of ink and paper that takes me back to my childhood and then later to my career in advertising at a time when print was very much still a thing. What about you? Do you still buy magazines? Would you advertise in them? Welcome to the Small Town Business Podcast. I'm Erica McInerney. Today I'm talking to the fabulous Kimberly Furness from Oak. She's an award-winning magazine publisher, podcaster, social media trainer and speaker, a massive supporter of women in business in regional areas. We have a lot in common and I adore her. I think you will too. We cover a lot of topics, but mostly I want you to remember that there are other ways to promote your business or brand, ways other than social media. But let's jump in, starting with where Kimberly lives and works. I'm from Bendigo, which is about 90 minutes from Melbourne. It's best described as a vibrant regional city. The thing is, though, I think we've got the best of both worlds. We are not short of a coffee spot. I don't even have a favorite because there are so many. You know, an incredible food scene. We have a Bendigo Art Gallery, which has these massive exhibitions. Like I'm talking Elvis, Marilyn Monroe. You know, I've grown up here. So for me, it still has that small town vibe. You know, you know everyone. The other probably important thing is that even growing up with my grandparents, I've traveled quite a bit and they've worked in small towns. My grandfather was a relief teacher, so he would go to a small town and relieve that principal. So I would follow them around. So small towns have always been part of who I am and obviously where I am now in terms of Oak, yeah, it has got a really strong focus on that regional and rural area. And that leads me to the reason why I wanted to speak to you. You've obviously done a lot of things and you've had in your very young life, you've had an amazing career. But I first got to know you through that beautiful magazine that you've created, which is Oak, which you just mentioned, um, which highlights the stories of regional and rural women in business. And that's what drew me to the magazine in the first place. It's funny that you started, I think, in 2017 at a time when most people would have said print was dying. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you decided to start a print magazine in 2017. Look, I've been an absolute lover of print from even a tiny person. There's been a magazine for, I suppose, every phase of my life. You know, it was smash hits when I was a teen. I skipped Dolly and Girlfriend and went straight to Cosmo for, you know, sex ed, really. (laughs) And then probably read that far too young. You know, then when you're looking at a house, it's the home living and, you know, having babies and you've got the baby magazines and, you know, I have four kids. So baby magazines year after year there for a little bit. 
But when I stepped into, or suppose stepped out of corporate and into my own business, I would look for magazines that would speak to me, help me through that period, because that's sort of what I did with a mag. And there just was nothing. I mean, there was the collective hub, which is Lisa Messenger. That was probably one of my favorites. But at the same time, they're talking about being a digital nomad, going off to Bali and being able to work from your laptop. And I'm just not sure how sympathetic my husband would be to that whole idea of me doing that. Especially with four kids. <laughs> Honey, I'm just going to go and work from Bali for a few weeks. Just <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to knock out some projects. <laughs> so, I mean, as good as it was, it really didn't speak to me. And the other thing is, you know, if we want to go back to small towns, it is very different from living in the city. You wouldn't even know who your next door neighbor is or, you know, be able to really go to a small business event and know everyone. There's this massive bit of connection that is incredible uh, that you get from living in regional and rural. So again, it just really wasn't talking to me. The way that it came about was that I had an opportunity to speak at an event with women. So, you know, niche audience. And I was going to speak about LinkedIn, I think. And they're like, oh, hey, you can put something in the gift bag. And I'm like, oh my God, not another naffy flyer. Like I just can't. And through that time, I was always thinking about like, I wish I could do a magazine. Like Lisa Messenger would always talk about, you know, she had no experience, but was able to launch one. I'm thinking, well, like I'm a journalist. I've worked as a sub editor. Like surely that's a bit of experience that I could leverage. And I suppose I just sooked a little bit too much on the couch all the time about it. And my husband's like, would you just do it? And I'm like, no, it costs a lot of money. And he's like, well, why don't you just use what you're getting for your speaking gig and put that back into it? So literally like I'm six weeks out, it was from the event. I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. Slightly embarrassing to say it was a magazine, Erica, because it was only 24, 26 pages, but that was starting with a name, branding, finding a graphic designer, getting a printer, looking at paper, getting a few advertisers. (laughs) There is nothing like a deadline to actually get a project running, I don't think. And especially when you've committed. So, you know, I'd committed to this event and said, hey, would I be able to put in a mini mag? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. So, you know, suddenly they're promoting that whole idea. It's like, oh, well, you know, I've got to deliver. And in terms of why I did print, there's just something special about it. I think just that tactile component being able to sit back and enjoy it, I feel like it's a completely different sort of, you lean back into it. I did have a few people that I asked, said, hey, would you go digital or or print? And 99% of them said, go digital. No one buys print anymore. And I'm like, okay, so I'll go print. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It just says a little bit about me too, I think. It's just what I wanted to do. And For me, it wasn't about whether it was popular or anything like that. It's what I wanted to do. Headstrong. There's one thing that I love about getting the magazine, that smell when you open it up. I don't know what it is. And I I think possibly because I worked in advertising for so long during a time when everything was tactile. We didn't really do much digital media. So newspapers and magazines, they just have a really strong effect on me, that, that beautiful smell of the ink. Yes. Oh my gosh. Our house smells of it when we pick up the order. The car does like everything. And I mean, I I just love it. Thankfully, I found some people out there that love it as well. It's such a fabulous story. And I want you to tell us about the award. And then I want to talk to you about awards because one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you was just looking at different ways to get your message out there, to promote yourself. We're both social media trainers, 
marketing specialists. And so we deal in that space a lot, but there's so much more out there and, and awards and winning awards is, is one of those things and yours is amazing. So tell us about it. Yes. So I won the 2022 Agri Futures Rural Women's Award for Victoria. So I was the state winner. And then what happens is every state winner goes up against each other and they pick out a winner and a national runner-up. And I was the national runner-up, which really is incredible because I suppose if I was to look back on that process, I know that I had all this doubt. And I actually, it's so interesting. I can see it with the cohort that are coming through now. So the person that's won our Vic this year, who's Nikki Davey, you're up against these women who have these incredible stories that really do tear at your heart. So we're talking about really heavy topics such as suicide, mental health, pregnancy loss, death, grief, all of that, even sometimes first aid and just helping to save a life. And I think that's a narrative I'd suddenly got in my head, especially when I got to the national level. So state was a little different. It was a a huge surprise. I'd actually pinned someone to win and they didn't. But in terms of that national part, that imposter syndrome, that self-doubt started to creep in because I'm like, I'm just a magazine, like I'm just a print mag. These people are saving lives. So that was a really big internal struggle to get through and probably was after it as well. Just thinking, well, I've won, but do I deserve it? Because as I said, these women are doing incredible things. Also to Nikki now, she's got that same narrative happening. I think it's really just an interesting little point to look back on and why we doubt ourselves maybe, why we think one thing is more important than another. Well, you do deserve it. And I know what you mean, but if you do think about what it is that you're doing with that magazine, you are actually changing lives because you are telling stories about women in small business in regional areas or rural areas who don't have the connections or networks or opportunities that other people do. So by putting their stories into print and online and on your podcast, what you're actually doing is you're changing their fortunes in some way. You're giving them a voice where they didn't have a voice. So don't compare yourself. And that's probably where it got to. There was a point where in one of my final pitches, I just said, there are these incredible stories, but without something like Oak, our stories aren't going to be heard. Like we really do need a print publication that can treat our narrative with the respect that it deserves. But in terms of why I I entered, I had seen at the Agri-Futures Rural Women's Award come across my desk a few times, especially in terms of those who had previously been finalists or had won. So we'd interviewed them, we'd featured them in the mag, and they were all talking about this alumni. Obviously, if you're a finalist, you sort of become part of the alumni. It's been going for, I want to say 25 plus years. I could be wrong there. They definitely celebrated something last year. So it's been going for a while. And that was the main driver, Erica, was just, I wanted to be part of the alumni. Yes, it comes with $15,000 as a winner. So of course, any money, regardless of whether it's a thousand or 15 is going to be definitely impactful for a small business. But for me, it was the alumni. I wanted to be a part of that, to be a part of like-minded women, but also just to get on the radar of AgriFutures and say, hey, I think there's some great synergy between us. So I had applied for a couple of awards before and To be honest, I probably never submitted a finished application because I always leave it to the 11th hour. Again, I'd applied for a local one, hadn't got it in. I went to hit submit and it came back and said, yeah, form closed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like who closes a form at 11 p.m., not 11.59 p.m.? I think that's what my bugbear was. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll try the AgriFutures one. Maybe, Maybe that's a good one to look at this year. 
I'd had conversations with them earlier too to say, look, like, is this suitable for me? I'm not in agriculture specifically. We share stories. And they're like, no, no, that's sort of what we want. I'm like, okay. I thought, look, I'll give it a crack. Sat down at eight o'clock that night. It was due to be submitted by midnight. And I think because I'd done the work previously, so I had worked with someone called Nat Dowling from Words on a Page and had worked with her over the last few years just to get clarity of who I am, what I stand for, what I want to achieve with Oak, my point of difference, all of that, like really got clear on my story and where I want to take Oak. And that just helped that process. Filling out that form was just so easy. And I think that's probably my biggest tip for those sorts of awards is go and invest time in yourself first. The award comes next. But if you could really invest time in getting your story clear in terms of where those little threads are in your business story that make for a front cover article or an award-winning pitch, because really that all helped at the end. I could see it building, but in terms of that end pitch that you give at the national level, it all just came together. I was just so grateful to have spent time on that already and I wasn't scrambling for it. You know, I submitted it. I was really clear on what I wanted to do with Oak anyway in terms of next steps. There's always a wish list, isn't there? And yeah, I was shocked and pretty sure I cried in every stage that I made, phone interview, the next phone, the online, and was incomplete, just shocked to have won that night. I mean- In terms of my biggest tip would it just be to work on yourself first. If you really are clear on who you are, it can be used to pitch to a media publication like myself, maybe a podcast. Because one of the first questions I'm going to ask is, tell me a little bit bit about you and your business or how did you start your business? You've got to have a hook. It's a journalism thing. You've got the most important thing up the top, inverted pyramid, but you need that hook to get them in. So for me, depending on what audience I would talk to, if you were to ask, tell me about why did you start Oak? Again, I might go, okay, I could go with the, you know, I've always been a lover of print. As a mum of four, I would spend a lot of time in the supermarket standing in front of the magazine stand and not see myself represented back. Like that was sort of one. Or I've written a lot of media, I've read a lot of media, and our voices are missing. Did you know that 30% of bylines only belong to women? 30%. And 30% of quotes are only attributed to women. Again, depending on which way you're going with who your audience is, just to have those little threads that you can pull is so important. It's good advice to do that. I think I I never really, I would get nominated for things and I would never go through with it. And I would always tell myself this story that I was too busy. Nominating someone is amazing, but the work, the real work comes when you actually have to fill out all the details. And so I just never went for it. And then last year, I actually got some help to do an award submission and I submitted three awards and I was a finalist in all three and I won one. Having that external person look at me, look at my business, look at what I've achieved and have none of that imposter syndrome, have none of that self-talk and that self-doubt and just go blah, 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 blah. No, you should say this, take out this word. No, don't do this and just go over it. It was incredible. It was such an incredible thing. And it actually doesn't really cost that much. And winning awards, it means different things to different people. You have to really have a, an idea of why, which awards you want to go for and why you want it. Now, in your case, $15,000 is an incredible amount of money. You get the alumni, you get the network, you get the promotional aspects of winning that award. And then obviously what happened next, but what you did with that $15,000 So that leads me into the next 
thing that I want to talk to you about, which is your podcast, which is another incredible way for you to tell these stories, to give these women a voice, but also to help you to promote your magazine and to be able to sell more advertising space and to be able to push out those stories into a longer format, into a different format. So why don't you just start by telling my listeners what you did with that $15,000? When you make it to a certain stage for the first one, so for the state, you have to come with a project. And so my project was to make an audio version of the magazine as well as to engage more writers and I think sales. It was more a salesperson. And so I suppose the audio version wasn't really high on the list at that stage. There was a couple of other things, but it was going through the process and just listening to the questions in the actual interview stages where they kept asking about the audio. And I'm like, wow, like this seems to be a really big thing. And it's so interesting because I'd say that to my husband, to Nat, to a couple of others, and they're like, ah, uh, yeah. And it's so, again, you are so involved in your own business that you do actually need that outside commentary sometimes from trusted sources. Be very careful, I think, who you let in to your circle. But if you've got the right people, they can highlight those areas so in terms of the audio version, our content is diverse. We have stories from First Nation people. We have LGBTQIA+. We have so much diversity in the stories that we tell, but they're not accessible by everyone if I'm to be true to myself. Yes, it's online. Yes, it's in print. But what about those that have a visual impairment that have low literacy, that may not even enjoy reading and might want to multitask. And the audio version brings that to life, I suppose, going through it a little bit more. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't actually find a lot of audio versions of mags. And the great thing that's come off the back of that too, is that I've started to go into that area and go, okay, how do I make my content more accessible anyway? You know, in terms of website and alt captions and all of that sort of stuff on everything that we do. Um, so it's been a great learning curve in terms of that. It was the confidence that, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I think I think I could give this a crack and turn this into something because I'm a print journal, so that's how I've started. And then to jump into podcasting was a pretty big step, actually. I'd had a, a girlfriend on my back for quite some time that said, you need to do audio. You're, you're great at it. I mean, it just got to a stage where, you know, you can only have 15 stories in the mag. There's so many more to tell. The first one was an absolute shit show because I interviewed the way I would for a print article. So we'd just sit down and we'd have a little chat and essentially I just call, like I paste it together. It's like this little puzzle and, you know, you pull bits here and there and you, you put it together and it's perfect. Audio doesn't really work like that unless you want to spend hours editing. So I eventually got better at it and started to put some structure into my podcasts and I would have to say audio is probably one of my favourite forms of media. I, I do too. And I, I distinctly remember going to a podcasting workshop 2016 and we were talking about you know, podcasting and how we wanted to make a podcast. And then a lot of things get in the way of doing the things that you want to do. But audio podcasts have been a big part of my life for years and years and years. And so then you think I mean, there's so many podcasts out there so many podcasts got made during the pandemic. Do I have something different to say? Does my voice need to be out there? What is it about my podcast that's different? It's been a really nice surprise to find that people are actually listening. 
<laughs> to my podcast. And I'm sure you feel the same way because you do put your heart and soul into it and you do put a lot of time and effort into it. And you do, I think, when you interview other people, there's this weird sort of responsibility that you feel for the end product. I don't know if you feel the same way. No, I think the right people feel that way, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope that I'm on podcast that someone feels that way and looks after me on the other end. Yes, absolutely. I've got a, a good friend of mine is an oral historian, Dr. Nicolette Snowden. I'll put her details in the show notes, but she's been really helpful to talk to because she's studies this stuff. She looks at interviews and talks about psychological safety in interviews and po possibly more than I've ever thought about it. But in having those conversations, it's made me think a little bit deeper about the questions that I ask and being able to ask my guests if they feel comfortable with what we've talked about. And I, I know one situation in uh, particular that I won't mention, but after the podcast interview, I went back over it and I didn't feel really comfortable about a big chunk of the conversation that we'd had. So I went back to my guest and I said, I don't think this came out the way that you meant it to or the way that it just didn't sound right. So I looked at the transcripts and I ran it past a few people and then we decided to just cut it out altogether. And I don't think that's not being authentic. I think that's just being making sure that you're protecting the people that you're speaking to. I actually think this is a good point and I'm so glad you brought it up because I, I could chat about this. So what I've learnt in the last eight months, it really is off the back of the award. I can't explain just the impact that that has had on me. It has been an emotional roller coaster, both positive and some, some really dark patches there. But when we got to national level, what it requires is each finalist to get up and tell the story. So it's a 10-minute pitch that you're practising. As I said, heavy topics. So you're listening to someone relive that moment again and again and again. And each time they're reliving it, they're reliving it with the emotion as well. So that was really hard to be in that space and not have any support to deal with those emotions. And then obviously I push to tell your own story. That comes off the media as well. It, that's not a comfortable space for me. I might be in media, but I'm not behind the microphone being interviewed all the time. It's the other way. I had two really big podcasts back to back one day. My husband, it was school holidays because he was sitting just out the door and obviously could hear one side. And I came out and he said, are you checking up on them today or tomorrow? You'll check up on them, won't you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, that sounded pretty heavy in there, like what you're talking about. And it was. And he said, you need to create some space for yourself and not do anything for the rest of the day. And he goes, you need to check in on those women and make sure they're okay. So he has a therapist. He's, he's really big into that, talking about your problems. And suddenly I had this really tight ball of twine and it had been rubbed and suddenly I'd had all these little threads that were coming out. And yeah, I unraveled. Those women felt comfortable telling their story. We'd talked about it. But I need to go back and say, hey, are you okay? Was that all right? Have you created space in your day? It's about taking some courses with Lifeline and now trying to recognize maybe some little bits and trying to interpret what that person might be saying and then feel a little bit more confident in what I say back as well, knowing that I'm I'm not trained in any area by any means to, to deal with such stuff. And I put a LinkedIn post up. You might've saw it, Erica, as well. I am just so concerned about content creators coming through and not having any experience. I mean, I started my journalism career in year 10, but then 
I still unraveled. Like it was still too much for me. And we think we're, oh, we've got a great interview here that will really go well on Insta or on a podcast. And I'll pull out that really strong audio grab. We're not thinking about our listeners. We're not thinking about the person we're interviewing and the impact that that can have. I think I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about it going forward because there is no it's no boundaries almost. No, there's not. And I work with a producer and he was great. He was the one who really just sort of pushed me over the line. I'd been talking about doing it for a while and I thought, if somebody doesn't push me, I'm not going to get this done. But he was great because he, he took me right back and he said, well, what do you want to achieve with this? What's the format? How are you going to do this? And just gave me all of this structure and asked me questions that I hadn't really asked myself because I had this idea, I want to do this thing and I'm going to do interviews and then I'm going to do some tips and I'm going to alternate. And And he really sat down and said, well, you've got to have a structure. You've got to do this better. And a lot of people will just dive into podcasting because it is super easy to do. So easy to do. And what I didn't want to do was create another podcast that was you invite on guests who are popular so that they'll promote Mm. you and you promote them and then you go on their podcast and then they get someone else's on their podcast and you go oh I want that guest too and then you end up in this circle where you're all just promoting each other and the people who aren't really winning from that is the audience they're not winning it's just another promotional platform. So I think you might've read this post as well, but I put up a post saying why I, I didn't brand this as my business name. I took it off into a different path because I wanted it to stand alone. I wanted it to just be a a way to tell stories, to have conversations and to tell stories in, in a way that was separate from my business. If anyone's out there and they're thinking about getting into some kind of publishing as a way to promote their business, it's really important to have a plan to think about your audience first. What are the stories that you want to tell and what's in those stories? And if you know in advance that there's going to be some topics that might be a little hairy, what are you doing to prepare yourself? What are you doing to prepare them? Because you can just have a conversation so you can get quite deep. So if you are going to go down that path and interview people in that space, I would suggest that yet mental health first aid training is very accessible. Absolutely. Maybe even getting some advice or some training in how to interview people. And that goes for print and that goes for anything. Podcasting is great, but there's also that intimacy that comes with podcasting. I mean, you are literally in someone's ears while they are walking or working or cooking or whatever it is that they're doing, lying in bed. I was at the gym and the podcast didn't come with a warning and there was a a little topic in there that for me was quite triggering. And I literally just stopped my workout. I was in there with my husband, actually. I stopped because I was getting emotional and just replaying what they were saying and then probably thinking back to what had happened to me and how our stories were similar. And my husband must've caught my eye and he come over. He's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, no, it isn't actually. Like I've just listened to a podcast and it's yeah, just throwing me off today. You know, I think storytelling is incredibly powerful. It is the way we learn. It is the way we feel like we are not the only ones in the world experiencing something. But at the very same time, there needs to be conversations around 
how we're protecting our stories. What parts are we telling? Are we ready to tell that story? Do we have a support network that once it's out there, we can lean back into? You know, and I know that's the heavy stuff, Erica, and starting a podcast, as you said, is actually quite easy. It's depending on what level you want to you want to do, what level you want to produce it at, what quality. I'm going back through all your little posts and digging in and trying to find whatever I can, you know, and editing and making sure we're looking after that person, putting it all together and then the marketing of it. So yeah, I just think it's something to keep in mind, like just to be very respectful of someone's story because you are in a position of power with that and and not to create a clickbait headline off it. It's the reason why I published my own magazine. It's the stories that I wanted to hear. It was being really unhappy with the way my stories were being treated by a sub-editor's desk. You know, you'd write it and then you'd get the paper the next day and you're like, that's not what I wrote. It's not the relationship that I want to have with that person. It's not one of my values in terms of, yeah, integrity. One of the trends, I like to use that term loosely, that even social media is really headed at the moment, which makes me happy personally, is a real circle back to genuine, authentic, interesting, raw, normal, just storytelling. You mentioned before content creators. What I'm noticing more and more is I'm drawn to content creators. I'm drawn to people who are actually just real people doing real things, talking about things that I can relate to. There's so much shiny. There's so much pretty. There's so much polish in the world. There's so much in the world of social media that sometimes it's really overwhelming. And I know for my clients that shiny, pretty polish is overwhelming to the point where it freezes people, where it's pressure on people to be perfect, to be slick. And they think that if they're not, that they shouldn't do anything and so they freeze and they miss opportunities to promote themselves. I love this discussion because it's very easy to get caught up thinking that you have to be on Instagram and just as an example, one channel, that if you're on Instagram, then you have to be perfect and pink and pretty and polished and it's just not true. And there's so many other ways that you can communicate with your audience in in a way that feels comfortable to you. Like I'm very long form. <laughs> My social media posts, I have to really pull back. I did one yesterday and there was way too many words in it. And I know there was too many words in it, but I just didn't care. But for some people that short, snappy, salesy, gorgeous photos, funny reels. That's the stuff works an absolute treat. But for a lot of small business owners, it's really difficult to pull that out and to pull that off. So email, blogs, podcasts, magazines, there's so many ways. Networking. Oh my, I was about to say that networking. one. <laughs> Just in-person networking. It's amazing. It's such an amazing. Is where I get my most joy. Yeah. I get so much yep. joy from it too. I think we've forgotten that if you're in a room with 20, 30, 50 other people, that is how you can amplify your messaging and your business. That stuff is gold. That stuff is worth the time and the effort and the money to create rather than just trying to reel your way into a seven-figure month. So I guess what I wanted to impress on anybody who's listening is that you don't have to be like everyone else. You can be creative. You can be you. You can find a way because podcasts, magazines, newspaper, traditional advertising. 
we're so on digital that to put something as old school as paper in front of you, like, oh, what's this? Hang on, I better read this. I think there's so many ways to actually engage with your audience. And something that I've found that I've been doing the last couple of months as well is just catching up with someone in my network. So today I'm catching up with a lawyer that's in our network. I'm just going to have lunch and just a little chat about what's happening with you, what's happening with me. And, you know, there might be some synergies there on something. And then next week is a radio journalist. So catching up with her just to have a chat about stuff. What's your industry like at the minute? And what are you enjoying the most? Maybe what pod, yeah, what microphone are you listening or using? I just think there's such value out of those little coffee dates, not ringing someone up saying, oh, hey, can I pick you? Like, this is a genuine, do you want to go out for a lunch? Like, let's go and have lunch and just talk. I'm in a mentoring group and every month you give an hour and you get an hour. And it's been so good. It's called She Mentors. And it's women from all walks of life, from all careers. So I had an hour with a personal stylist and I've just, I've done, I looked into human design. I have all these like amazing conversation. It was particularly great during the lockdowns because we could do it over Zoom. But I find myself every month going, oh, how am I going to use my hour? And people are really, really open to sharing and having really candid conversations, either about work or it could be just a coffee catch up. I, I like the vibe. <laughs> it's just been fabulous. And I've just met so many incredible women doing interesting things. And I think that those networks that you build, maybe they don't contribute to your bottom line in any way, but they certainly contribute to your mental health. They certainly contribute to your idea generation. Yes. And I think yep. that that's really important. You said before, be careful who's in your circle of trust, the people that you listen to. And, and I 100% agree, but sometimes it's really nice to just walk out, go and chat to someone that you literally never met before and just have a conversation and see where it leads. I'm all for trying new experiences. Absolutely. And on that circle of trust, you know, I've, I've had friends and they are in that inner circle, but when it comes to business, two of them are risk adverse. So they're just not the people that I share an idea with like, Hey, I'm going to launch a $30,000 an issue magazine. What do you reckon? <laughs> you know, they're the ones that sort of would always come back. Like, are you going to do another issue? You really struggled to get that one up. Do you think it's worth it? So they're the ones that sort of, I try and buffer out onto the outside yeah, <laughs> and keep the ones in. And it's not that they're the yes people and go, oh yeah, go for it. Like risk your whole house. They're literally just, if that's what you want to do and have you looked through this and have you thought about that? Great. We'll make sure that you get in contact with that person or make sure you're keeping an eye on this line and that line. It's different. Yeah. yeah. Just don't need the negative downer, risk adverse sort of person, especially when you're an entrepreneur. You like to challenge yourself and take risks and do something different. And when you do that, it definitely does come with risk. I should probably let you go now because I've gone way over time, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> and we've just gone on a merry, merry dance. So I hope that people are happy to come along with us on that merry dance. Kimberly, we've talked about your magazine. We've talked about your podcast. I, you've probably got a million other projects that I don't even know about that are coming up. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you? And obviously I'll put all of the links in my show notes. 
Well, Oak lives online, so you will find us on our website at oakmagazine.com.au. And in terms of all the socials, we're at Oak Magazine AU. Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. And if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening. 